0: Welcome to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause. I'm Clarissa Christensen, and today we're going to be talking about vaginal health because it is such an important topic, and it's the first time we've really spoken about it with somebody who is without doubt an expert, and that is my guest today. She is Dr. Alicia Dweck. Welcome.
1: Thank you so much, Clarissa. Great to be here.
0: It's lovely to have you. I mean, you are an a gynaecologist with 25 years experience. You're also the chief medical officer of bona fide, which we'll hear more about. And and your sort of key area of, of interest and specialism is menopausal health and women's vaginal health.
1: Absolutely. So by way of introduction, I am a gynecologist in New York in the US. I have been in practice for over 25 years, although I hate to admit that because, you know, none of us want to be aging. And you know, it's funny, in my kind of a practice, your patients kind of age with you. So that the delivering of babies is in my past. And now I tend to focus my practice on perimenopause, menopause, women's sexual health and how it relates to perimenopause and menopause and general gynecology. So this is my day to day.
0: That is wonderful. And I mean, it's not an area that women talk very openly about. I mean, obviously you've published some books and there is certainly more conversation, shall we say, on Instagram But it's still not an area that we talk that openly about, is it?
1: You are so right. Oftentimes when I have these kinds of conversations and there's a broad audience, particularly if there are maybe people who don't personally have a vagina in the audience, I like to just get that word out of the way many times so that people feel a little bit more comfortable. So we'll just say it here. We're going to talk vagina today. That is my language. So I think that's a super important subject and it is getting a little bit more uh, comfortable for people to talk about, but no question, still somewhat taboo.
0: Yeah, very important. I mean, maybe a great place to start is vaginal health. I mean, what is kind of baseline good vaginal health?
1: You know... You really know when your vaginal health is good when you're not thinking about it. So there are patients in my practice, and I'm sure plenty of your listeners, who really have quite a a self-understanding of what is normal for them. What is the normal scent that comes from their vagina? Because everybody has a scent. And I mean that as a distinction from an odor, which sometimes can be suggestive of a problem. What is the normal drainage or discharge that typically comes from a vagina? And that can vary from individual to individual, and it can vary during a monthly cycle, and it can vary based on activities. What does it normally look like? Some women are now becoming more comfortable looking at the vaginas. What's the typical color? What you know type of uh, pigment should there be what happens with time and age and childbirth so these are all things that might lead us to know what's normal for them and what uh, might be considered problematic
0: yeah and I think that's that is obviously so it's very individual from what I am understanding you saying here that and it's important for us to know that isn't it (laughs)
1: Yes, for sure. Look, most women are aware of something awry with the vagina. Sometimes it will prompt a call to the healthcare provider. Sometimes they'll wait it out for a little bit. But, you know, again, drainage or discharge, scent, any abnormal blood, of course, something to consider, uh, you know, whether something is usual during the cycle is, is often uh, being looked at and um, taken into account.
0: Yes, and our vagina can sort of be different through our menstrual cycle.
1: Mm -hmm. So the vagina is what's considered to be pH acidic. The normal pH of the inside of the vagina is typically between 3.8 and 4.5 for all the science buffs. I'm sorry, to 4.5 for all the science buffs out there. And what does this mean? This is reflective of the community of organisms that naturally live in perfect harmony in the vagina. This is what we call the microbiome. Yeast, bacteria of different varieties, maybe uh, uh, you know viruses that live together in harmony so that we feel healthful in the vaginal area we are all exposed to multiple disruptors on a day-to-day basis that might influence the vaginal pH and the vaginal microbiome. What might these influences be? Sex, sex partners, hormones, whether it's in the form of birth control or hormone replacement or something similar to that, lactation sometimes. Also products we're using. So tampons, douches, which we typically frown on in the gynecology world, you know, lubricants that might be used, and then times of the month. I mean, menstruation and the cycle often can interfere with the natural pH because blood is a bacterial medium. We often talk about good bacteria, and not so good bacteria. And this is a very simplistic way of saying, lactobacilli, which are the strain of bacteria that we love to see in the vagina. And there are very many strains of this and everybody kind of has their own community of lactobacilli because there are lots of them. But they are responsible for maintaining this acidic pH because they produce hydrogen peroxide and they produce lactic acid, all of which maintain this optimal acidic pH in the vagina and keep us all happy. The disruptors we spoke about tend to alter the balance of lactobacilli and other organisms. And that's when havoc occurs, strange discharge, different scent, itching, irritation, that type of thing, uncomfortable intercourse. So
0: yeah definitely and and the vaginal microbiome i mean people may be familiar shall we say with with the gut microbiome but it's not as expansive a microflora is it as your gut microbiome
1: i'm so glad you brought that up uh yes there are microbiomes on our skin we have a microbiome in our gut we have a microbiome in our vaginas there they these are inherent in all areas of our bodies but the vagina has a specific microbiome and each person has a specific vaginal microbiome made up of particular uh, organisms. So it's very important to keep that in mind, especially when you're considering perhaps using a a probiotic, let's just say, because we're going to speak about that. If you're taking a probiotic for gut health, that's not going to be exactly the same as a probiotic that's meant for vaginal health um, because We're really aiming towards different strains of bacteria.
0: Absolutely. And before we even get on and talk about perimenopause and everything, I mean, how can you optimize your your vaginal health? What are some of the things that my listeners could be doing starting today?
1: Most of these tidbits and fun facts are really related to trying to avoid the disruptors that we spoke about. So these would be things that I would recommend to my patients, for example, avoid douching. This is something, again, it's been passed along from generation to generation, but this truly is a frowned upon um, activity because it disrupts the biome. And that even occurs if it's just water or vinegar and water or one of the fancier varieties. So that's uh, number one. Number two, Um, choose your uh, soaps and uh, products to bathe with carefully when it comes to genital health, because heavy, harsh chemicals, uh, certain um, preservatives, these can really um, disrupt the biome and cause uh, troubles, both on the vulva, the skin, the external organs, and the inside of the vagina. The vagina has a really uh, wonderful mechanism of self-cleaning so that this is where those lactobacilli come in, where they keep things in check. So you don't need to scrub a dub dub with a really heavy loofah or anything. It's certainly not inside the vagina. It really should clean itself. So harsh chemicals and fragrances should be avoided, particularly in those who are sensitive. Number three, we often talk about cotton undergarments, in the, at least in the crotch area, because this allows for aeration and for um, you know uh, a more healthful biome. When you're wearing you know, synthetic materials in the crotch or perhaps a, a pad or panty liner 24-7, 365, you know, bacteria and yeast love to thrive in moist, dark environments. So this is going to potentially promote infection. And then sex, and I'm not saying that, you know, uh, sex causes infection, but exposure to ejaculate, particularly if you have more than one partner or particularly if you are prone to infection with like BV or yeast a condom can be very helpful to prevent these symptoms. So these are just a couple of small tips that may help. We also know that hormones uh, or any hormonal changes like menopause, perimenopause, uh, you know, and, and the like, birth control pills, for example, these can all influence the vaginal microbiome as well.
0: Yeah. So really like very straightforward tips there, Elisa, that are mm-hmm. so, this is so kind of is simple really if you think if you think about them I mean, and they are kind of sometimes contrary to what we might see some influencers telling
1: you're you. absolutely right and you know when it comes to our vaginal health where do we often turn to first for information well the internet of course so there's going to be some misinformation there and these are fairly simple things that uh, you know many women can follow just on a regular basis to try to manage an optimal microbiome but remember Some women can do any of these activities with no trouble, so they're the lucky ones, but others who are complaining or the ones presenting to my office often need to take these tips into account.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, we turn to perimenopause, where things can go sort of a little pear-shaped, as we know for many women. And for myself, I suddenly had thrush over and over again, and I couldn't understand why that yes. was happening. Yeah. But of course, now I know so much more about perimenopause, I think, ah.
1: Well, there often is a good disconnect good. with the initial symptoms of perimenopause because it takes people by surprise and we're not really necessarily thinking about it at that time because after all, perimenopause, which means the uh, you know years leading up to that last menstrual period or menopause... Uh, can last for, you know, upwards of four to 10 years. So certainly there can be a disconnect at the beginning. And the volatility of hormones and the erratic bleeding are often culprits when it comes to alteration of the vaginal microbiome.
0: Yes, definitely. I mean, what are some of the key things that women can possibly experience because we're all unique?
1: Sure. During perimenopause, what I think is the usual first symptom that might not be immediately recognized would be a slight change in the menstrual cycle, whether it's a shorter or longer duration, whether you skip one from time to time, whether the quality or quantity of blood is altered. These are symptoms that are typically part, the early part of perimenopause and I just wanna make a plug here for always checking a pregnancy test if you skip your period and you're having sex with a man because you, know, you still need to use contraception if you don't want to get pregnant during the perimenopausal time. So that's important and I digress, but it's an important uh, digression. But uh, the irregular periods often take people by surprise, checking a pregnancy test if necessary, but then realizing that hormones are a little volatile during this time. Ovulation may not be occurring as frequently or as regularly, and bleeding habits can change.
0: Yeah, definitely. And that has a direct effect, doesn't it?
1: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable.
0: on your, your vagina, not just the microbiome, but your vagina in, in total? Absolutely.
1: Because what's happening is that the amount of estrogen that the vagina is exposed to may be somewhat variable or volatile during this time. So women may go through times where they're noticing no symptoms at all. Others may notice at different times a little bit of dryness or maybe uh, you know uh, some itching or a a little bit of discomfort during sex or the need to use a a lubricant or something to make things comfortable. So there are um, a couple of things that may be occurring. The thing with perimenopause is that these things are intermittent. You know, it's not going to be from one day to the next. You're not perimenopausal and then you are. This is something that's a continuum over years. And I'll just, again, for your listeners, bring the definition of menopause into play here, which is 12 continuous months without your period. So it's kind of a hindsight diagnosis where you figure it out after the fact.
0: Definitely. And if I'm correct, there is a real change in the vaginal microbiome because of the change in estrogen or the fluctuation. Yes.
1: Yes, absolutely. So what happens is that the cells inside the vagina become much more delicate, much thinner, less elastic, more prone to injury, meaning little micro-abrasions. And during perimenopause, this is, again, intermittent. It may affect some women more uh, notably than others. But the lifestyle factors and the external inputs that we spoke about are also going to be influential. What do we normally recommend for this? Well, it's oftentimes it's a comfort thing or it's a quality of life issue that women seek out treatment for the symptoms that are uncomfortable, whether it's irregular bleeding, whether it's vaginal dryness, whether it's being prone to infection or just not feeling 100% comfortable.
0: Yeah. And and for some women, that can be enough just to take some of those additional measures. But for some women, that's not the case. Yes.
1: So some women are going to need to rely for their vaginal health specifically on a program that I usually start conservatively and move to more aggressive measures as needed per individual. But the first step to deal with vaginal health would be, of course, to get an assessment from your healthcare provider to see if you actually have an infection or something else going on that requires treatment. Once that is established, I find it very helpful to recommend a probiotic geared towards vaginal health. So full transparency, I work with Bonafide Health and am very supportive of the probiotic that they offer, which is an oral probiotic geared towards vaginal health, taken 15 days of each month on, 15 days off so on and so forth as the months go along. So it's a very easy regimen and tends to really help to prevent recurrent discharge, recurrent itching, recurrent infection from yeast and BV alongside treatment. And it can also be helpful for that perimenopausal women whose pH and microbiome may be getting altered because of hormonal changes. There also are other things that might be recommended, like a vaginal moisturizer. So, some people might use something simple, like coconut oil. Some people may want to go towards a much more aggressive approach, which works like vaginal estrogen. But again, estrogen comes with some baggage. It has side effects for some people. It's not appropriate for everybody. So that would be a decision made with your healthcare provider. But there are other non-hormonal moisturizers that people find really helpful. Once again, Reverie is a hyaluronic acid containing ovule that is a fantastic moisturizer used two or three times a week for moisture, and it doesn't contain hormone. So people can choose what is most comfortable for them. But the trend in my practice, and I think very commonly these days, is women are looking for natural solutions before they go to the aggressive choices, which might be needed, but they tend to want to try with the more natural solutions first.
0: Yes. And I think that is such a great evolution in this although right now in the uk we're seeing almost the flip side of that so you know but but definitely i think now i've seen some people giving great feedback around hyaluronic acid and and really raving about it yeah
1: think about hyaluronic acid it has been around in the medical world for dermatologists for rheumatologists for orthopedists and for ophthalmologists for a very long time it's used as injectables. It's used, uh, you know, as uh, you know, to help with joint pain, to to lubricate the eyes. It's used in many of our beauty and wellness products, like face moisturizers and the like. So it's about time that the vagina gets a little bit of attention with hyaluronic acid.
0: Indeed, and and really simple, like you said, is it two or three times a week? Wouldn't
1: yes. This ovule called Reverie is, they say every two to three days for best help, it's a little ovule that needs about 20 minutes to dissolve. So I often recommend that my patients put it in at night before they go to sleep so it has time to, you know, dissolve and moisturize the vagina and hold on to that thousand times of water weight that it's, uh, that it's meant to do. Um, but um, look, some people prefer a gel. So to be fair, there are hyaluronic acid-containing gels- that are over-the-counter as well for the vagina. My patients tend to prefer the mess-free option of an ovule. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, estrogen comes in multiple forms as well, a cream, a little tablet, a ring. So there are definitely different uh, options for different um, preferences.
0: Yes, definitely. And I've seen a number of women here in Sweden where I live go for a product called in- Interosa, which is not a hormone, but it, yeah. but it helps the body produce, if I understand you could tell me if i yes. produce either estrogen or testosterone. Correct.
1: So intra-rosa is a prescription medication. It is also an, an insert, it's a little ovule that goes in the vagina. This one is intended to be used every single day. It is what we call a pre-hormone. So it is metabolized into estrogen and testosterone in the vagina. So again, it may have some limitations for people with medical conditions. And so this needs to be discussed with a healthcare provider for sure on an individual basis, but that absolutely is another option. Um, there's also an oral prescription tablet meant for vaginal dryness and dyspareunia, a fancy way of saying painful intercourse, which is called ospematheme. And the uh, brand name is called osphina, again, a prescription prescription medication, at least available here in the U.S., taken every single day to address these uh, complaints. Again, medically, people have to understand that there are individuals who may not be candidates for this. But yes, there are options out there. And that's great because everybody is really looking for something different.
0: Yeah. And I suppose it depends on the level of severity. I mean, as if you've got really bad vaginal dryness and it's causing because it can be very painful
1: can't it? it can be painful I often get my patients will tell me Dr. Dweck I, I just am aware of my vagina 24 7 and this doesn't seem right and so that is what I'm saying when people kind of know what they normally will feel like and if something is off they typically will bring it to my attention especially if it's persistent or recurrent so uh, you are absolutely right.
0: Yeah, that's good. Um, No, go ahead.
1: I was going to just make note, and I I don't mean this in a Debbie Downer kind of way, but vaginal changes related to perimenopause and menopause are not going to get better by themselves over time. This is something that does require a, a bit of active management and active attention because. Over time, this is a chronic and progressive issue if left completely untreated. The other thing that tends to help with vaginal dryness and changes, okay, are you ready, is sex because sex or even using a a sexual aid or toy like a vibrator tends to promote blood flow in the vagina and this in and of itself helps to maintain healthful tissue.
0: And, yeah, and that's almost like some women will be listening to this and thinking, oh, my goodness, you know, it's the last thing I want to be doing. But but you're right because, again, we are stimulating yes. extra blood to those cells and surely they must be nourished and, and regenerated by blood flow. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so there we are. That's a good one. I should be telling my my husband, always pleased when he hears it. Yes, the men are usually very
1: happy to hear that recommendation.
0: Even as you said, using using something like a like a sexual toy.
1: Yes, of course.
0: Like a vibrator can also be very beneficial. Yeah, I mean, look,
1: for a lot of women, they're not interested in using a a big, somewhat threatening toy that is inserted in the vagina, and an external stimulator that's just a clitoral stimulator is perfectly fine to still provide really maximal benefit for blood flow. Because, you know, after all, the clitoris uh, deserves its massage. Uh, As well as the vagina. So the other thing that I'll just make note of is something called vaginal dilators, uh, because a lot of my patients are not familiar with the availability of this, but these are gradually increasing sized uh, diameter, uh, you know, uh, instruments that are easily used at home. Uh, without uh, intervention from a practitioner to slowly and gradually stretch the vaginal opening, the depth and the width on a patient's own terms so that they don't have to worry about pleasing a partner when they're trying to do this rehab for their vagina, but they can just slowly and gradually stretch the vagina. The dilators also help to provide sort of a mind-vagina connection, if you will, so that your brain isn't anticipating pain all the time when something is going to penetrate the vagina. So they're very helpful in the emotional sense as well.
0: Yeah, because obviously if we're struggling with pain, we tend to, you know, the muscles contract, don't they, and makes it a vicious cycle.
1: It does, and then guess what most women do? They avoid. So it's pain, subconscious, you know, uh, a tightening of the muscles, and then avoidance altogether. So for people who are motivated, a dilator program can be super helpful.
0: That is fun. That's fantastic. It gives lots of hope. But as you said it's earlier, I was coming back to this sort of progressive decline. And that is something that, you know, I'll just say openly on this show, I have noticed how much drier I've got. And that must be now I'm in my 60s, I don't have the same amount of oestrogen in the form of estradiol in my body that I did 10 years ago. And, yes, I'm very aware of UTIs, urinary tract infections. Yes. From your perspective that moisturization is really important. No
1: question about it. Uh, UTIs can be more common because, again, with really delicate tissue around the urethra, which is, of course, part of the vulva, uh, little microabrasions can occur, allowing the entrance of bacteria and infection. In addition, the risk of like you talked about, yeast and bacterial vaginosis or BV, that imbalance of the natural uh, bacteria in the vagina, these are all a little bit more common with the um, estrogen changes. Yes.
0: Yeah. And in those cases, moisturize or.
1: Moisturize, treat infection, practice those fun fact tips that we spoke about, consider an actual dedicated moisturizer for your vagina, such as hyaluronic acid. Specifically, uh, you know, the ovule reverie or some other sort of moisturizer, or even consider vaginal estrogen, which, of course, is a minimally absorbed variety of vaginal estrogen and doesn't carry with it the same concerns of systemic or oral or, you know, whole body uh, estrogen therapy, if you will. Um, But uh, again, it's not for everybody. So these things do need to be individualized.
0: That's fantastic. I mean, I I love that. Just these really simple tips. Tell us just a little bit more about Bonafide. You mentioned it very briefly there and how people can get hold of those
1: products. Of course. And thank you for that opportunity uh, because obviously I'm a big fan. So Bonafide, hellobonafide.com is the website. Uh, The company makes it incredibly easy and seamless to order products according to your needs either one product or multiple products will be mailed to your uh, home on a regular basis. And uh, my patients have found them very helpful. Again, the mission at Bonafide is to provide the natural alternatives to help women traverse their menopause symptoms particularly in the group of women who would like to try to avoid the hormone um, route. And I will just, again, state that we do a lot of scientific, rigorous scientific research to support the safe and effective use of these products. And that's what distinguishes us.
0: That's fantastic. And that gives people a lot of confidence. um,
1: It also gives our healthcare providers' confidence because, you know, this is not the, 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 the playground that many of us grew up with when we went to medical school. You know, a lot of us don't get a whole lot of education in the nutrition, uh, nutritional benefits and sides of treatment. So I think it's very important to know that this is available.
0: Yes, and to have confidence that if you tell your patients, if you're a clinician and you tell your patients to use these products, you can, you can feel confident that they're not you know, some of the things out there are a bit wild west. Well, that's exactly what
1: I was going to say. The nutrition and supplement world can be a bit of the wild, wild west. So it's really important to see a little bit of science that goes a very long way.
0: That's fantastic. Dr. Alicia Dweck, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing, you know, a, a sliver of information on our vaginal health And giving, I think, I hope my listeners a lot of confidence that they can be in control of this and they can work with their health provider to ensure that the health of their vagina is optimal. Thank Thank you so much. It's my pleasure.